The sponsor for the Fruitful and Fearless and the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of February is the Banner of Truth Trust. The Banner is a Christian organization which publishes books, organizes conferences, and publishes a monthly magazine. The objective of the Banner of Truth is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. We seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for ministry. We also seek to produce material that's evangelistic and in God's providence may be used as a means to bring people to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. For more information about the banner, you can go to thebanneroftruth.org and find out more about their history and their mission. Also, there's a giveaway going on for the month of February of the complete works of John Bunyan. You can find the link to that in the show notes. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. It's Lexi and Jordan here after some technical difficulties. How are you, Jordan? Can you hear me? Doing great. I can hear you. I literally said, can you hear me? Just over and over. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's so <laughs> awkward. I know. Like, I'm really sorry. If you can't hear me, this is terrible. Oh, that's funny. Anyways, sorry. Well, Andrew. we're here now. <laughs> we are here now. And I can't And we hear have you. an icebreaker today. Um, what are you reading, Jordan? Okay. So I have a new fiction book that's so good. And I'm oh. not, I, I always feel nervous to say a book is so good when I haven't finished it yet. But oh, yes, so far... Yes. It's very good, and I can heartily recommend it. It's called The 10,000 Doors of January. I think it's Ooh, that's a cool title. Yeah, The 10,000 Doors of January, and it's so good. It's fantasy, of course. And Who's the author? Wonderful. Um, I don't – here, let me look it up. I don't remember. It's a new book, like a 2019 book. Well, no, actually, I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to mess up the Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> Say the title one more time, though. The 10,000 Doors of January. Ooh, it Alex, feels like 10,000 years in January. You know, <laughs> Alex something is, okay. the, um, and her last name starts with an H, I think, but I can't So it's a that. female? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And she lives in Kentucky and the book is just really good. And you know, I wonder. Really written really cool. Just really is it like, unique. Did you say it's like sci-fi or? It's fantasy. So. Oh, it's more. Okay. Yeah. Like she, uh, she finds doorways that lead to other worlds I think I mean I'm, I'm not very far in but this has happened once but I'm assuming that she finds lots of doorways that lead to other worlds uh, oh, okay um but it's huh. really good and then I'm still I'm still reading Radiant um which is just taking oh, me a yeah. really long time I don't know if you're still reading it too but it, it feels like the kind of book I can't just bust through and read a ton of at a time because yes. they are such short segmented chapters mm-hmm. that are each a different mm-hmm. story like I feel like I only read one or two stories at a time which really isn't that many pages you know it's like each mm-hmm. story is only like maybe five pages so I don't read that much at a time in the book um mm-hmm. so there's been a few settings that I've read more but I'm only like a hundred and something pages in so yeah it's gonna take me a while on that one 
yeah, I took a break from that one too. Cause I was reading it while I was reading an Edith Schaefer, which her books are also really dense. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I need to switch it up. I'm going to go back to it. But I actually like that each chapter is a different story because I, I can just too. pick it up when. Yeah. 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 But it just takes me so I took a break a little bit. What are you reading? Um, let's see. I'm reading three books right now. I want to get the titles right. The first one I'm reading in the morning, I absolutely love it. It's fascinating. It's called Building a Godly Home by William Googe. He is a um, Puritan writer who's writing about marriage specifically. And it's just so fascinating to learn about the, just what the, what the um, betrothal practices have been like and the marriage practices throughout all of her church history. It's fascinating to me and convicting, of course, but um, just to realize that they were thoroughly equipped to enter into the duties of marriage in a way that like they were agreeing to a contract. It's kind of weird to think of marriage in those terms again, but it was an actual contract that had duties to fulfill. Hmm. It's cool. And therefore they wanted to be ready to do that. So I'm reading that one in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Way more seriously. Mm. And then what are my other two? Oh, Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm reading four books. I'm reading Death by Living, too. I forgot. Are you reading Death by Living right now? I read that at night because it's on my Kindle. When I can't sleep, I like to have a Kindle book. So that one's slow going, but I have that one. Yeah. I'm reading that with a couple of women from church, which has been cool. Oh, that is fun. Yeah, Yeah, we like. I've never done this before, but we have a shared Google Doc, and we just update it once we finish a chapter. And so we have each other's thoughts on each chapter, and like we have- Oh, that's cool. Which has been really cool, because you can't always get together and talk about the Mm -hmm. chapters. Um, But anyways, yeah. That would be a good way to do even a a voxing book group. I've thought about doing that before with people that don't live in your area, Mm -hmm. because then you can keep it updated and kind of chat when you have time. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then, so my other three, I've got the Rosemary tree by Elizabeth Googe, which is a novel before bed. And then my gardening book that I'm trying to get through is grow a sustainable diet to help me finish my planning for this year. Mm-hmm. And then my homework from my husband is paradise restored by David Chilton, which I'm actually oh, loving. Yeah. yeah. Jared loves that so. one too. Yeah, that is a really, and there's so many um, married couples from our church reading it right now. So it's actually, it kind of kicked my butt because I got home from Sunday, had talked to multiple people who were reading just these really dense, awesome theological books. And I was like, holy cow, I'm so impressed by your church congregants. I need to That's get awesome. up a notch. That's really cool. So yeah, it was really encouraging. Are you feeling like Paradise Restored is like a good attainable read for postmillennialism? Uh, yeah, that's why I asked after I finished Heaven Misplaced, I said, okay, Brian, I need another one, but I, I, it can't be like over my head. So he told yeah. me this one. And what I like about it so far is how he's just showing you how many people throughout history, like this has been the norm to believe yeah. this way, which is mm-hmm. so encouraging to, yeah. that's just so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yep. awesome. I'd like to read that my, to you. Yep. It's a good one. Ah, <sighs> Books. So after books, we are kind of talking about two different topics today. We had a question come in basically asking, okay, we like what you're saying, but what about a single person? Which I think is a fairly common question with these topics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how does it translate into singles? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Jordan and I were talking and we were like, well, we're not actually the best people to answer this because we didn't have seasons of singleness as adults. Um, which really we should look at that as a blessing in the church, but, um, 
there's the biblical principles still apply, but they also apply to raising daughters. So we're going to kind of tackle two topics in one today. Um, so like we've talked about before, biblically, I'm principally driven, but they are played out in different details. If that makes sense. Did you want to say something? No, I just felt like I should sing All My Single Ladies by Beyonce. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah. all. Yeah. Or Beyonce is Dave Harvey. Were you there whenever they were saying that Dave Harvey accidentally um, called Beyonce Beyonce in a sermon once? Oh, my gosh. No, but <laughs> by the musician Beyonce. I could see Beyonce. how he wouldn't live that down. <laughs> <laughs> Which really cracked me up. That is really funny. He was like, I thought it was like a French name. Oh, Beyonce. that would make sense. Yeah. Oh, Anyways, my gosh. Yeah. Sidetracked, but yeah. Um, so this is for all the single ladies out there. Yes. This goes is. out to you. <laughs> you said you had some specific scripture. Yeah, I did. I'll start out by reading share it. some of so those. I, yeah, I, um, I've been thinking about this throughout the week. And like, like Lexi said, I don't have experiential stuff to say about it. But of course, I can think through this of like, okay, what's the Bible have to say about singleness? And I know that um, Paul calls it a blessing. So I just wanted to kind of dig into some scriptures about singleness and then go from there of like practical stuff that we could think through. And then, like she said, I felt like this kind of applied to raising daughters too. I don't have one of those. Um, but I feel like, you know, as we're raising daughters, we want to, whenever they're getting, um, to be teenagers and stuff like that, prepare them for, um, good works and things that they can be doing in the season. Um, until they get married, the season before they are married. So anyway, and also I feel like it, most singleness is likely going to be a season. Um, mm-hmm. Some seasons may be longer than other people's, um, but I feel like the norm and the most likely thing is that a Christian woman will probably get married. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's some, how in no, that I, book that I mentioned, that's exactly how he's talking about it is the norm, unless you are living a dangerous calling, the mm-hmm. norm should be marriage. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely times that God gifts the gift of singleness to people. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Paul talks about that as a blessing. So if that's you, then consider it a blessing. And we're going to hopefully give some encouragement to you today, as well as those who are in seasons of singleness. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would read First um, Corinthians seven twenty five. Um, which says, this is basically the part where I talked about, um, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give as judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. If you're bound to a wife, um, do not seek to be free. If you are free from a wife, do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly trouble, troubles, and I would spare you from that. Um, so he's just saying in, in there that in marriage, you're going to have worldly troubles, which mm-hmm. reading um, 1 Corinthians 7, I took to mean time and a divided focus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're married, yeah, you, you're going to have more time commitments, obviously, to your family, um, to your husband and children than a person who's single. So um, he's saying, you know, if you're single, then you're going to have a lot more availability than someone who's married. So he sees that as a blessing um, for the work of the Lord. And then I think it's important there because what it, 
does he say it is a blessing for the work of the Lord? Is that how he's writing it? Um, no, I just, I just kind of said that if you are single, then it is a blessing because you have more time for the work of the Lord. Yeah. That's what I said. That's what I was going to say is I think that's where people can go wrong with the singleness is they're not using it, it as well to turn a profit. I think if people, they need to be viewing that as their singleness in terms of, okay, well, there is something God wants to accomplish in this time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It also says in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife and his Mm. interests are divided. Uh, Whenever you're single, then you can have a season of undivided focus for what the Lord wants you to do and not be anxious of things that you need to do for your husband and children. I think too, the cool thing is if you were living out your singleness like that, like fully pouring yourself out in whatever way God's calling you to, you're going to attract the sort of, you're going to attract a godly spouse because a man that just wants to waste time with you um, isn't going to be attracted to you doing that with your life and your time. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. You're going to attract a like-minded man who also mm-hmm. wants to give his service to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also thought that I've been thinking about Dorcas a lot this week in the Bible, um, and about whenever she passed away, people came Mm -hmm. and brought the things that she had made and how it talks about, um, that she had, yeah, about that she had, um, many good works. I can't remember the exact wording, but, um, many good things and good works that she had done or something like that. Mm. And I, it doesn't say in there specifically that she was single or widowed, but it says that all of the other widows came and showed what she had made. Um, So I just, I think it's cool thinking about that story as an example Mm. of just like that our legacy, whether we are married or single, that our legacy would be one of good works that we're continually giving and pouring out to other people and Mm. doing kind things for them, giving them things that, uh, would make them praise the Lord. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, this reminded me of the college gal that comes over once a week t- to kind of hang out with me. And um, she, she's trying to get ready to go to Romania. She, her heart's for overseas missions. And um, one of the first conversations I had with her when we sat down was like, okay, so are you the kind of person that wants to do missions because you want to go on vacation? Or do you actually mm-hmm. feel called to this? Because if you don't feel called to this you should probably just get married instead and she was like no I just I really feel called to do this um she lived overseas with her parents for a short time in Kenya and honestly she does have the a heart for serving families and kids and she was like I just I really think that if I want to do this long term that God would provide a husband who is like-minded as well and I just I really liked that she said that yeah because yeah. she she was acknowledging her God-given desire as a female to want to be married, but also wanted to use this time yeah. um, kind of just waiting and seeing what God would do to provide for her in that way if he sees fit. Yeah. I have a friend that is single, and um, she's really similar, does the same thing. She does mission work um, and has full-time for a long time, and she also does, like, nannying stuff for her sister and lives with her sister. And oh, cool. um, I, I just I feel like I have some really cool examples in my life of mm-hmm. of women that are single that God has used in really really sweet ways that they've made the most yeah. of the season that they aren't wasting it and um, aren't feeling sorry for themselves or anything like that. But mm-hmm. that um, but that God has used them in really neat ways. I also have a single friend mm-hmm. actually that this is kind of a cool story. Um, I also have a single friend that her it's a relative in her family. 
had, she was um, not a Christian and had gotten a young, a young cousin of hers had gotten pregnant and was going to abort the baby. And she had, my Christian friend convinced her to have the baby and let her adopt it. So it's really interesting because she is single, but yet raising um, actually two babies that were going to be aborted. Mm. So, um, wow. Yeah. I think it's cool that in seasons of singleness, God can provide opportunities to also be nurturing, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be in like extreme cases like that, obvious nurturing. And then also just in ways in the church, I feel like I have had people that are good examples of nurturing women that were single, Mm. um, that were just kind and caring to me and my family and, um, very motherly in a way, Mm -hmm. uh, even though they didn't have children of their own, were very motherly to me. And I feel like that there are many opportunities like that for the single woman in the church family as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because seasons of life change, but the fact that God created us female with specific giftings doesn't change. Yeah. 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 So I'm thinking of uh, Psalm 68, six, where it says that God places the lonely in families. Yeah. Um, just even if you are, even if you're married with kids, like that's recognizing that that's part of God's plan for allowing the single person to participate is placing him, maybe placing them maybe even in your family, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. That's something that I was thinking about whenever we were preparing this, like if there are single people out there that, Mm -hmm. that desire to have more fellowship, like don't be afraid to go to the Christian family and say, Hey, can you mm-hmm. include me more in things? Yeah. Like I'm sure I know I would be eager to be like, absolutely come over, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, come and yeah. work alongside me and, um, let's like share in this together. Mm-hmm. I think that that, I think that would be awesome to like have a Christian woman that's single to come and like, you know, you can work alongside me with whatever is going mm-hmm. on and have fellowship yeah. together and work alongside each other. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I have a friend who was single for um, several of his years as an adult, and he always said that he had one good married couple that he would hang out with quite often, and it really helped him to figure out what kind of a marriage he wanted mm-hmm. and what kind of a woman to look for and what he like what his role should be as a husband. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. And I think part of it, if you feel like you want to start inviting singles around more, it might be awkward to just invite a whole bunch of singles over to your house, but how about inviting a single with a widow, with an older couple, with a family and doing a big meal type setting where everyone is kind of included in different seasons. I feel like that really helps, helps get your foot in the door to start realizing how to interact with people of different, um, just seasons and places of life. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I also was reading First Timothy 5, which this talks more about widows, but I feel mm. like it can be applied to um, women who are just not married yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks in here about, um, I'm going to pause for a second and read a little bit of this so I can find where I need to be. Okay. It talks about showing godliness to their own household. Mm. Um to uh, if some are near their parents to be with their parents. Um, and it said that this is pleasing in the sight of, in the sight of God. So mm. if you are a young um, woman that is unmarried, see it as a blessing if your parents are near and that you can still um, 
be around them and be a blessing to your parents and your extended family as well. So it says mm. that that's pleasing in the sight of God. So I thought that that was interesting mm-hmm. to note. Like just because you are unmarried um, and older than 18, don't mm. feel like you can't still um, be a part of your family that the Lord has given you as far oh, as yeah. parents are concerned. Cause I think that's a part of our culture right now is like, as soon as you turn 18, you better go and like mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. have anything to do with your parents anymore. <laughs> like well, I mean, God is, go ahead. Yeah. Your dad is still your head. You're right? covering <laughs> that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would, that would be one thing that I would say is like, don't, don't feel weird to still have your dad mm-hmm. as your dad <laughs> until yes. you're married and have a husband. And and if you have a godly dad, then just be thankful and mm. be a blessing to them now that you're an adult and have time to to spare. Oh, there were some things down here that I thought was interesting. It talked about younger widows. It, this is talking about temptations that they have. And this is in 1 Timothy 5, 13. It says, besides that, like, they learn to be idlers, going about from mm. house to house. Mm. And not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Mm. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, and manage their household and give the, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Um, so I thought that that was a little bit interesting talking about idleness and because the unmarried woman will have more time, spare time Mm -hmm. on her hands than, um, than a married woman with children. And I know when you're single, it doesn't really feel like you have a lot of extra time. Maybe (laughs) I think, cause I remember back in time when I was in college Uh, and mm -hmm. not married and without kids. And I don't know if you were like this, but when I was in college, I thought I was so busy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, yeah. And I remember like taking a nap all the time every day and like sleeping in and staying up late. And I had so much time on my hands, but I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. So just being cautious in seasons of singleness to not be idle, to not mm. waste, waste your evenings binging Netflix or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, but to really know that that could be a temptation and, and for anyone that doesn't have their hands super full at the moment, like just be cautious to not fall into the temptation of idleness, but to be completely proactive and faithful with your time, honoring the Lord in what you're doing. Yeah. This gal that, um, my, my friend that comes over, she was, we were talking about her work schedule and she was trying to figure out if she wanted to bump up her hours to her max and. I really encouraged her to not do that and just to instead spend her time learning a skill. Like think about what skill sets do you want to take into parenting? Do you want to teach your kids? And then you need to tackle those yourself because that's kind of, I told her, I'm like, this is really the last season of your life where you're going to have free time to do that. Sure. You can learn those things as a mom, but it's going to be so much harder to do. And I think that's the same advice I would give to almost any single person or childless person is just spend that time then growing your skill set to better serve and to better be equipped for later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. There's also a portion in first Timothy five where it talks about um, basically saying the self-indulgent woman is already dead, even though she lives on. (laughs) And so just being cautious in the season to not be self-indulgent, like that Mm -hmm. can be so big of a temptation in the culture that we live in of Mm self-care and all that kind of stuff that we get fed every single day. If you have extra time on your hands, you can easily think that you should spend it (laughs) in a Mm self-indulgent way. Jared talked Mm -hmm. about this in the sermon on Sunday. If anyone is interested, they can listen to the podcast, but he talked about 
Romans 12 and dying to self Mm -hmm. and, and just talked about like how really our culture, when we think about like the self-care culture and I feel like I have to say this, but um, I don't mean self-care as in brushing your teeth and sleeping when you ought to. I mean Mm self-care as as Instagram defines self-care. And um, and just like calling the that self care movement what it is, which is self indulgence, mm-hmm. and and just being cautious to like not be the woman that is that falls into self indulgence, thinking that it's mm-hmm. her right to be that way, but that we would die to ourselves and um, and in turn fully live and really have joy, and mm-hmm. know that um, we're supposed to consider others more significant than ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in singleness, it can be a temptation. It was for me in the stint that I was single, um, the temptation to just think that my life was my own and that I could do with it as I pleased. Mm. So I think instead of doing that, I wish I could tell myself <laughs> uh, however many years ago, 11, 12 years ago, um, I wish I could go back and tell myself then um, be cautious and mm-hmm. make the most of the season instead of wasting it. Um, mm-hmm to make the most of it. Yeah. I have some practical ideas that I'm thinking of. It kind of spurred this thought. Um, I think Kim, Margaret Kim, I can't remember what the author's name is, but there's a book I just read called keeping house, which I think would be a really, really good book for a single person to read. That's it's basically like a theology of housekeeping, but she, she has had different seasons in her life where she was married. She became a widow was single and then was married again to a, um, her husband's disabled. So, um, she has some really practical help, but something I realized in there is that a single person needs to be getting into the regular rhythms of making a home just like anyone else Mm -hmm. would be because our home is supposed to point us to Christ, whether we're single or married. Yeah. Um, so she talks about how she had seasons when she did have roommates that they, even though they were on different schedules, they made a really big point to sit down and have one meal together just because of Mm -hmm. what fellowship means. It also fills needs in a single person, just like it does in a family. Yeah. So, um, and then just having regular like house cleaning rhythms and whatnot, you will be miles ahead mm-hmm. domestically. Yes. <laughs> if you yes. do that and start those sort of habits as a single person that you're going to need to take into married life or honestly, even overseas, um, missions wise, uh, my friend is my friend who comes over again she was just telling me how there's certain things that she's going to have to start taking care of for herself, like cooking and cleaning that she's never had to do before. Mm -hmm. So just really set yourself up with, I guess, healthy domestic habits is what I'm saying Mm -hmm. to um, just better pursue fruit in the long run. So you're not so, so you're not like me having to learn this like eight years into parenting. You're like, wait a second. Right. (laughs) I need to be more organized. Right. I think also, I really like Lori, is it, is it Wilbert? Lori Ferguson Wilbert. She has, okay, so I'm not, this is not like a full endorsement of all of her writing, but I think she does have some really helpful thoughts on how she used her time as a single gal to just make her home life really, really flourish. And honestly, it's the same sort of practices that I would encourage a family to do. Regular Bible reading, have regular holidays, be hospitable. I Mm. think that's the big thing I want to nail home is that singles can still and should be pursuing hospitality just like a married couple can even easier because I mean, so you feel like your house isn't very homey. That's a challenge, but I also have the challenge of keeping my house clean after four kids. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're kind of trading challenges. So if you're not going to be 
faithful with what you have now, why would you expect to be faithful with some future blessing that God gives you, if that makes sense? Yep. Yeah. Just like we say all the time on the podcast, like whatever season you're in, whatever the Lord has blessed you with, turn a profit on it. Yeah. So like if you are in a season of singleness, turn a profit on it. How can you glorify God the most now where you are with what he's given you? What can you do so that you are being the most faithful and fruitful Mm -hmm. with what he has given? Yeah. Yep. I think think the Amy Carmichael biography is, would be encouraging to for a single woman. Yeah. Um, If you haven't read that. I think that reminds me, Elizabeth Elliot has, oh, she has one book specifically on singleness. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, she has one on purity and singleness, but then she has one like on loneliness and singleness. So I know that that would probably be a, and she has a very high view of femininity. So I'm sure that would be a helpful, I haven't read helpful that, book but... to a single. Okay. So then how, I don't have a daughter. So how, Will you be helping Daphne in her teenage years as she's thinking through like, okay, I, I'm getting old enough to where I have spare time and freedoms, but I do not have a husband and children at this moment. So hmm. how will yeah, you be I think, encouraging her? I was actually talking to a friend about this this week who has multiple daughters and something that uh, we were talking about was just how Oh, it's like opening a whole can of worms, but I, I hope my daughter is educated. And I think that's what I would spend that time doing is like just continuing her education, be it through a liberal arts degree or through um, trade school or through just her continuing her ed on her own time. Um, just using that time to become more and more and more equipped for what her heart's desire would be ultimately a family ultimately grandkids. Um, so I think that's one really practical thing. Cause I think some people can forget that like, yes, I want my daughter to be equipped with knowing how to clean a house, knowing how to cook healthy food. But the hardest part of domesticity is getting your heart and your mind in the right place and keeping your head in the game. Mm-hmm. So we need to be equipping them with an actual education that teaches them how to be a human in the middle of all of that. So mm-hmm. It's not one against the other. It's that um, her time educating herself may not necessarily look the same as a male's time educating himself, but it is still just as important. Right. And so, yeah. All, I was just going to say, like, all theology and education that we get, that fuels and is why we pursue domesticity and biblical femininity. It, it isn't just we blindly think that a woman's place is in the home. It's, no, no, no. It's because the Bible leads us to believe that domesticity is what God has planned mm-hmm. for women. And, yes. and so um, we want to have the most robust education and theological mm-hmm. training for our daughters so that mm-hmm. that can work out through her fingertips, you know, so that it's not, it's not just blindly and unfulfilling for her. Mm -hmm. It's, it should be, I'm doing this for the Lord to glorify him and obey him. Mm -hmm. So I think if I had a daughter, I think my pursuits would be similar as what you just said, just helping them to love, love the reasons why she will be doing this one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And to know that it, it is God that is calling her in this direction, not just, yeah. not just because it's anti-feminism, if, you know? If you're single, God's plan A for you is still to be domestic. If you're 
married without kids, God's plan A for you is still to be domestic. If you're married with kids, still plan A. And also if you're a grandma, it's still plan A. Don't just go out and get a job because your kids are gone. It's still plan A. God actually made you as a design feature to be domestic. I think that's what we forget in these different seasons is it it should be our first default is to be domestic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, so then question here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of single women then are probably Mm going to be in their twenties and Mm -hmm. probably going to have to have jobs obviously Mm -hmm. because they're going to be living on their own most likely Mm-hmm. Um, unless what I said earlier changed your mind, you go back and live with your parents until you get married. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, not that I think that's mandatory or anything like that. I just thought that, that verse was interesting. But um, okay, so practical ways, and this can this can apply also to women who are in seasons where they are having to work full time, whether it be through family mm-hmm. issues or whatever yeah. it may be. Okay, so how yeah. can a woman who is working full time still have her heart bent and pointed towards domesticity. Okay. So if you think that home, I mean, what is it? Despot is the actual Greek. Okay. If you think that's your first priority, the work would naturally come second from that. So you have to, I, I, I just, I think a lot of it comes down to what does your schedule look like and what is your priority? Mm-hmm. If your schedule, like if you're choosing a job that never allows you to be home, never allows you to practice specific feminine arts God has called you to do, to go to church, to be hospitable, to be in community, well, you're disobeying already, so you need to get a different job. That would be my counsel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think the goal in our working as a woman should never be make the most money possible. I think oh, the no. goal, <laughs> if we are in season of employment outside the home, I think our goal in that um, should be, okay, if home is my first priority, then this is second and mm-hmm. the money doesn't necessarily matter. The obeying God mm-hmm. is what matters. So absolutely. So I'm going to pick, like you said, pick a job that allows my first priority so that mm-hmm. I can be obedient in my second. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a season of working for a newspaper mm-hmm. and it was super difficult. I was going to say the most difficult, but I don't really know. What did you do for, I worked in a newspaper too. What did you You did? That's funny. Yeah, I did. Um, Advertising. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you do journalism? Yeah, I did. But yeah, I, I liked working there, but it was extremely difficult. I was married at the time. I didn't have any children Mm -hmm. and I still felt like it was too much for me and I could not maintain my priorities. So it was a very short season and Jared gave me the blessing to quit and it was (laughs) such a blessing and I quit and it has been a great decision for our family. And like I've said so many times on this podcast, we don't make a ton of money, but we are Mm -hmm. extremely happy and I feel like we are doing what the Lord wants us to do. So um, it actually cracks me up when I hear people that are going from two like five salary type jobs that are saying we just won't be able to make it on one income because we have just made it on so little for so long Mm -hmm. that I just know it's not true. It's just whether or not people want to make it a priority all comes down to priorities. And usually it looks like your calendar and your checkbook. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just having a content heart, like Mm -hmm. with, with decisions on finances and employment. Okay. If you 
um, are going to make home life your first priority. And if you made the decision to take a job where you're going to make less, then that's going to be a sacrifice and you're going to have to have a contented heart about it. Mm -hmm. So I think it just boils down to like knowing, okay, what does God want me to do? Mm -hmm. And if you're convinced that the Lord wants you and has called you biblically to certain things, then nothing Mm -hmm. else should matter really. Like who cares? Who cares how much money you make? Who cares what other people think? Who cares what you drive? Who who cares? Like if the Lord has called you to something and you believe it biblically, then okay, cool. Do that. I also have a thought about like daughters, how to help prepare daughters. Um, I think something that I really did was I didn't go into debt for my schooling, for my, for your degree. I didn't either. Um, I just really knew advice. this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't. I don't go into debt first of all. Yeah. But second of all, also, if you want to pursue the school route and you're single, absolutely pursue it if you can't, if you're not going into debt for it. Um, But also pursue it with an open hand in the sense that if you find out you're going to get married two years into your schooling, you should maybe be okay with quitting school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or doing it a different way or whatever it may be. Mm Yeah. Yes, exactly. Being just way more flexible with, with your schooling instead of like, no, 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 no. I have to be schooled. It's what Americans do. And they go into at least $60,000 of debt. That's normal. My husband can take care of it. Mm-hmm. It just, it just snowballs. The problems begin to snowball when we, when we go into it without a plan, just assuming yeah. that that's what everyone yeah. else does. I have said the same thing to many young married or engaged women who they will be either engaged or have just gotten married. I've said it multiple times, but um, they will say, I'm going to go to college. And it's like, okay, cool. What are you going to, what's your plan? And she, and they will say, I want to, you know, I w- eventually want to stay home with my kids. And I'm like, okay, mm. then you need to either go to college for free <laughs> or don't do it because mm-hmm. debt can be a huge inhibitor Whenever yeah. you're, whenever you're making the decision to stay home with your kids, yeah. I've seen so many families feel like they, the mom can't stay home with the kids mm-hmm. because of student loans. So yeah, I think that is going to be key in giving advice to daughters is like, mm-hmm. don't get into debt that is going to make it harder for you to obey. <laughs> yeah. And I think as, as a parent, like be, be when your daughter hits high school, be talking to her and thinking mm-hmm. of ways to help her be prepared and protect her for walking. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Don't do not let her make foolish decisions with her money. Yeah. Oh I mean, I know goodness. there's a yeah. sense in which you can't stop it, but that is something you should be teaching her anyways is yeah. let's, let's and be wise sons. about this. And your sons too. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, same for them. Good point. Help them to not go into tons of student loans when they get into college. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, do not let them get a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my brother, my, my brother, he didn't go into tons of debt for his schooling and he, he's an architect. So the little debt he did go into made sense based on mm-hmm. what kind of job he was getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea how school loans worked until he was explaining it to me. And it is just insane to me that banks entrust that amount of money to foolish young men who just, mm-hmm. it just basically <laughs> enables laziness. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Um, it's horrifying. To if, me. Uh, what's the dirty, dirty jobs guy's name? I can't remember his name. Oh, I don't know. Mike. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, you know, the show dirty jobs. Mm-mm. 
oh, okay. There's a show called Dirty Jobs and it was on, I think it was on Discovery or something where a guy would go and like do the dirty jobs of America. Oh, yes. I think I have seen that. Okay. Okay. So I really need to figure out what his name is real quick. Okay. So anyways, he came out with a – he he actually does a lot of stuff where he promotes trade schools. Oh, cool. And he has he has like a speech that he gave. Um, what's his name? Dirty jobs guy. Hold on, guys. I'm googling. Um, Mike Rowe. Yeah. Okay. So Mike Rowe. Um, he has stuff where he has talked about trade jobs or trade school jobs, and trade schools basically are normally two year two years of education to be fill in the blank like you know. I don't know mm-hmm. what they are for different things, but for example, like a plumber, electrician, a lineman, mm-hmm. those kind of jobs. Welding. Yeah. And um, those jobs pay very well and are very easy to get a job in. And he talks mm-hmm. all about like the um, student loan or student debt bubble that America is in and like just mm-hmm. how it's just crazy. So anyways, yeah. Educate your children on – um, finances. And I think that's a good thing for daughters, especially if they're going to want to stay home and yeah, um, raise their children as a Christian woman should want to do. Um, I have would, just a few more thoughts on yeah. that too. Uh, ben Merkel has some really helpful discussions about this. There's several of them, so I can't point you to one specific one, but through the new St. Andrews like podcast channel, and you can find those online too. But um, also my dad recently was just looking up the local trade school here. And he said the most expensive program, the most expensive program was $5,000. Yeah. And usually trades earn way more money than a regular four year bachelor's degree. Yeah. So that is the type of debt that absolutely makes sense Mm -hmm. to go into. And usually with a trade like that, you can, that's an easy foot in the door for having your own business and being your own boss Mm -hmm. or creating jobs for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pro trade school. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say about Ben Merkel? He has what now? Well, he just, he has some helpful, um, podcasts. I think oh, on the new St. Andrews. Okay. Yes. On the new St. Andrews channel. Oh gosh. They have like four times a year. They have somebody come in and address their student body from what I understand, but he's done a couple of them on, um, what do they call it? Like higher ed. So look up the one specifically about higher ed. Because okay. he talks about debt. He talks about like the history. He talks about um, even just the difference between like private Christian schools and then Christian schools still taking government money. And how is it that like how scholarships work? Scholarships are just a ridiculous scam to basically flatter you and get you in the door to give the school your money. So there's just a lot of things that you have to have your eyes open going into higher ed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just not foolishly giving your money away basically mm-hmm. um, so. you said that you didn't have student loan debt did your parents mm-hmm. help you with that or how did you go through school then so I started out um, early college when I was in high school I think I was in 10th grade when I did that so I graduated with my associate's degree I think it was in April and then I graduated with my high school diploma in May mm-hmm. and so that um, like dual credit stuff mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. 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 And so then I got a partial scholarship as a result of that. I was on staff at the school newspaper in order to pay for the rest of it. And so all that I had to pay for was uh, textbooks. Yeah. I thought mine was similar. I had a, I was on the speech team 
my first two years of college, which paid 100% of my schooling. And mm. then my second, let's see, my second, okay, so my year and a half after that, so for my bachelor's, um, I got a like political scholarship that a local politician gave out. Mm. Um, and then my dad paid for my last semester. So yeah, I'm so very, very thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you don't realize how big of a deal that is until mm-hmm. you talk to people that are like now still paying on student loans. And it's just really hard. Um, well, and what was your what was your degree in? Advertising. It's okay. School of Journalism, but it was specifically okay. advertising. That's funny. I was I was journalism, and I switched it because I hate I hated the politics involved. <laughs> okay. So what something was I was going to say. Mine mine was creative writing, and so part of like part of why I chose that is one, it was paid for. If, if I had to pay for it all, I probably would have picked a different one or I would have gone more the technical, technical writing route. I knew I wasn't probably ever going to make money though with my degree. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny when I was on staff at Deeply Rooted, I think it was maybe three or four years ago. So I had been writing there for a while. I had done editing for various, I had done writing for various platforms and um, editing for different Christian magazines. And I still was not making a paycheck. I was just doing it because it was, it was something to fill my time with. And I enjoyed writing. And I remember someone contacted me and they're like, can you help me figure out how to make money as a writer? Like, <laughs> you're like, nope. I really can't. Know. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Yeah. yeah. But I think just knowing, like, if you do get a degree, just, I, I was okay with not making money with my degree. I think that's something you kind of have to settle on. Right. I wrote a children's book whenever we were first married, they got published and you everybody did? Like, so did you, yeah. What? Yeah. And so people were like, Jordan. so did you, have you made a lot of money in that? I'm like, no, none. <laughs> what the heck? What money. is it called? How did I not know this? I don't know. I need to send you guys one. Um, but yeah, it, it's called the dream lagoon. Y'all can start. Oh my gosh. Now. This is so funny. Yeah, yeah. I am. That's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, you, should have hobbies <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. and not try to make money with them. And honestly, like once you start making money with things that you really enjoy, it kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit. So yeah. oh, absolutely. that's how it was. That's how it has been a bit for me with like crafty stuff. I have made money with crafty stuff and you kind of start not wanting to do it anymore. Yep. <laughs> kind of takes the fun out of it. So anyway. Oh my yeah. gosh. Here it is, Jordan. Yeah. Jordan Ray Sparks. <laughs> oh my Boom. gosh. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. so. How lovely. I'm so happy to yeah. know you. <laughs> oh, it's currently unavailable. Bummer. Yeah. All sold out, I'm sure. Selling millions. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Cool. But anyway, okay. So singleness. Be fruitful where you are. Trust the Lord in the season that he's given. Mm-hmm and raise daughters that know what the Lord wants them to do and are confident yep. and fearless in doing that. Yep. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Well, All as right. always, let us know what you think. Send us some comments. It was so fun. Last week, so many of you were writing us and yeah, messaging us fun. thoughts about the episode, and it was so fun. So do that again. We love your yep. interaction with us on Instagram. Um, or on Twitter, I guess you can talk to Lexi on Twitter. I don't have Twitter, but um, (laughs) let us know what you think. And as always, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of the Shepherd's Crook. The Shepherd's Crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching, resources, and events. We have also started the Shepherd's Crook for Wives, 
Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.